You're now entering a restricted zone. Welcome to Area 52. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Area 52 podcast. Once again, here we are, uh, deep under the snowy grounds up above us. Uh, it blizzarded again last night um, to the point where, like, we have, here's, the, here's a little thing. We have uh, my car, which does horribly in the snow, and I can't even get out of our complex when it snows because we have yeah. to come up this little hill, and my r- rear-wheel drive charger with its giant ass sits there and just fishtails. <laughs> So I, <laughs> I literally sometimes have to come to you and your your boss masculine big wheeled truck and go, Danny. It's a Colorado. Danny, can you drive me out of the can you drive me out of the complex? <laughs> My car won't make it. I mean, it is a weird hill that we have in that complex. It's a, you get to that little dip yeah. and it and just they don't plow it at all. No, they can't. They don't get in the little dip. It's weird. So yeah, it's what it is. But uh, yeah, it blizzarded. That's what happened here this week. Um, once again, I will say, and I, I don't know what he's doing, but Eric, once again, is missing in action. Uh, I still think it's murder. If, I, if he's gone. He might be on a murder. And, it's, <laughs> and I, I actually, this is, kind of, this is kind of cool because we've had some of these conversations with our guest today off air, and, I, and we rarely get him here. In fact, we, this is the second time. Uh, but our producer, the man behind making this podcast, as well as all of the other podcasts on the Earhole Media Network, soon to be the Utah Podcast Network. Correct. Um, Sasha Bloom is our guest this week. So Sasha's going to be here on our third mic, which is awesome. Thanks for sitting in, man. I, I'm glad you did this. Well, thanks for having me on. Yeah. Oh, I appreciate man. it. Well, the head of hair is here himself. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. By the way, um, <laughs> Danny, Danny pointed out that there's a dude in Mastodon that looks exactly like you. Yeah, I've had a couple of those. Andy Gold, former comedian in Salt Lake, he's now in L.A., he compares me to that big old beast in Braveheart. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you look like him, too. But, yeah, that's like three of the dudes. In, you could be three of the dudes in Mastodon yeah. at any time and just be like, they'd be like, okay, that's cool. Maybe if I move to Viking country, I can finally get laid. <laughs> I think you'd do really well there. You got the beard for just it, Just a Sasha. bunch of pics of Sasha carrying women by their hair. Yeah. But, <laughs> Bring me a leg of meat. <laughs> just eating fired meats. Sasha Bloom has updated his profile yeah. picture. <laughs> I love it. Um, it's been an interesting week. There's been a few things that happened. This is an interesting thing. We just saw a couple videos on this uh, secure team who we've talked about before, um, and as well as a couple of the other UFO channels that I follow on YouTube posted this thing about. And there's video that the Iranian military fired on something in the sky this week. Mm-hmm. Um, there's footage of shot from Iranian troops on their cameras or whatever they have on these rooftops. There's this white glowing orb in the sky. Again, it's, this is the thing is every time you see one of these things, aside from that Chilean video that we talked about a couple weeks ago, where you actually can see the density of it and you can see the trail that it's leaving because it's thermal. Most of the time it's a light. Now they can see this light moving, so they're not firing on a star, but it's a glowing orb. So it's not a craft. It's not a saucer. It's not a drone. It's, well, it could be any of those things if we yeah. have that technology. But in the video, it's a glowing orb, and the Iranian military is firing ground-to-air missiles at this thing. So they thought that it was enough in their airspace to worry about and fired on it. And I think that's kind of interesting because it, because we've talked about things like Project Bluebeam and things like that. I, I kind of wonder if it's like a little small test 
you know, where, I mean, it was kind of the idea of implying that there was an invasion or something, an alien invasion. And I'm wondering, like, maybe it's like a little, uh, you know, laser pointer that they kind of put up in the sky to see if they will fire on something so that if they did put like a holographic image of an alien invasion, if if the Chilean army, was that where it was? No, well, Chile, this one is Iran, but the one yes, before was Iranian Chile. army would fire on it or any army, really. I don't right. know. Maybe they're just trying to see if like they could get, um, I don't know, things that would maybe solicit war yeah and you know i guess um in one of the videos that i watched they were talking about how this isn't the first time that there's actually something a famous incident that happened in tehran where it was a ufo battle that they had fired on and i think it's interesting i wonder about this like like you know i know that there's ufos everywhere and i know not everywhere like has surface to air missiles uh that they can fire at things but did the Iranian army, and, I, and this is my question, I, I really didn't know, n- know this by watching the video, did they think they were firing on something that is like military intelligence, they think it's a drone, or do they think they're firing on an alien spacecraft? I don't know, it didn't really make that clear in the video. Yeah, I don't, I don't so know. I, that's a good question. Because, I mean, they might go, you know, oh, the USA has little, you know, these now, and maybe we do, and that's why it's over Iran. And that's why it's in a place like that, you know, yeah. who knows? I mean, it could be us, it could be Russia, it could be China could be some weird technology that we don't know, but Iran fired on it. And I like your idea, too. Like, it could be like a test, like either by us or by the aliens themselves or by anybody. Yeah. It's fascinating. I don't know. It's just I a concept. Know. But Iran fired on something, and it you know, didn't it return like a... fire. It just kind of moved around. So whatever, that's an interesting thing, too, because it wasn't, it wasn't like it came back at them, and it wasn't like... It receded it, or, either. Or that it was, yeah, worried at all. Yeah. Like, but it's kind of like, uh, what was it, Battle Los Angeles? Or when, uh, mm-hmm. what's the, that that also, that famous incident where they all fired on something that they believed that was up in the... Right. And at the time, they had thought that it was some sort of Russian technology mm-hmm. or something. And I mean, I, I don't know that they all thought they were firing on a alien craft right. either. They just so, thought it was enemy, I guess. Yeah, so, so it's, it's, it's really interesting. It's fascinating. They didn't hit it? No, they didn't hit it. They, I, I mean, it didn't. I, that's the thing is that's it looked like it was it looked like it was super <laughs> high up in, but, but that's the thing it looked like it was super high up in the sky I don't know what they thought they were doing or I don't know it, it's really I don't know it's it's weird I it's weird that Israel or America didn't shoot at it too like why would they not I mean the American military is all over that place in the yeah, I don't know yeah, they would have a base there right well they're off or, in the ocean yeah oh yeah on their aircraft carriers so, yeah yeah. I mean, and that, that's mm. the thing is that you rarely hear, I mean, you hear about UFO sightings, you see these things, you see the things in the sky, but it's rare that it's in an area that is, that is currently war-torn. And, you, and you're, you know, it's rare that you're the, this new footage out of Syria of a UFO, you know, they have other things to do. Or that any government establishment acknowledges that it was a, sure. a UFO. They kind of always right. go, oh, it's, we can explain that. But also nobody's going to fire, no American military is going to fire at a UFO hovering over you know, Seattle or Portland, you know, they would kind of, and, and that's a weird thing is that I guess it's really not our policy as, as human beings to fire on these things. Cause we can name the times that it's happened on a couple hands, you know, these couple incidences in Iran, uh, the, uh, the battle of Los Angeles, uh, uh, planes have been scrambled to follow these things, um, but they don't fire on them. Uh, the the what the one uh, the, the story of the guy who followed the the thing and it kept going higher and his his plane couldn't go any higher he had to come back and uh, yeah, you know Foo seems, Fighters yeah. in the in in World War Two but we don't typically fire on these things so I mean I guess that plays into the idea that like 
I don't know. Why aren't we firing on these things if we see them during wartime? Because we have. And if so, does that play into some sort of, you know, treaty idea that we have? Or like, I, well, yeah, it's an interesting question. Have you ever heard the theory with uh, war, like human wars, where they're just designed as blood sacrifices for aliens? Well, you know, hmm. there's I, I've heard, uh, you know, I've heard a lot of the ideas that uh, that what goes on amongst us is merely uh, we're just kind of pawns and the greater game is something that we're hidden from. And it's funny because that actually kind of plays into what we were going to talk about today, not necessarily by aliens, maybe, but but the idea um, and, and to set this up. We wanted to talk before you go. I was just going to say that one. The other time was when that plane recently got shot down like a year ago. Was it because they thought it was um, over? Was it the one that was in Russian airspace? The the other Malaysian plane. That's what I'm saying. And that's the only other time. And it's very suspicious that this and it was not a it wasn't an alien ship. It wasn't something that was um, categorized as military. It It was was a a civilian civilian plane. plane and it was shot down and there were casualties. And to me, I'm like. That doesn't seem like protocol. It seems like no. what you do when you're trying to because I mean, I mean, take care of something. You would think that if these things are violating our airspace, mm-hmm. right? Like if there's and and there's the other side of it, right? When do we acknowledge it? Because if you if you have all of these UFO sightings that are all over, the people are filming and filming and filming, right? It's not hard if there's a guy outside filming a UFO for 20 minutes. That in that time, somebody else wouldn't have called and said, "Hey," or they wouldn't have been able to pick it up on. On, on surveillance or satellite. So why are planes never scrambled to see where they are? Why, why does nothing ever go out and see what these lights are? Is it because mm. they're nothing and the, and the government knows it? They're just drones, but they're not. Sometimes they're not drones. I've seen the videos. They're, they're things that can't be explained. So why is our military not interested in it? Unless um, it is our military. military. Yeah, I was going to say, right. unless they don't want us to be interested why, in Why it, wouldn't but. you be interested in something weird and red that's hovering over one of your major cities? If you're the government, if you're the military, why wouldn't you, if you A, know what that was, then you don't care. But uh, if you don't, why would you first assume it was alien? You'd probably assume it was Russian or Chinese or Japanese or one of our many enemies. Uh, or, or it's an alien craft, something you don't know. So why wouldn't you be interested in that? That's interesting. It would go against America's whole decree. Like, we love being involved in everything that's not American. <laughs> <laughs> right. So why wouldn't we think that... We love inserting yeah. ourselves Why wouldn't we go business. shoot down a Russian drone if that's what we thought it was? That's an interesting thing. That, that's, that it's very rare that the, that the military... I mean, even when pilots see things in... FAA air regulated airspace, federal airspace. And they go, there's something outside. And they go, well, just don't talk about it. You know, you're crazy if you yeah. talk about it. Well, why? Why is it that we are not concerned about these things in our airspace? Maybe, again, maybe that plays again into the idea that these things are genuinely our militaries. Because why else wouldn't they care? Do you think it's okay for the government to be so secretive with its citizens? <laughs> Here's the thing. I think that there's a difference between secretive and shady. Mm-hmm. I think keeping secrets is is a fantastic thing. I, th- I think that, and and you 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 know you've pointed this out. We've we've talked about this before. Um, us idiots are allowed a certain amount of of technology because if we all had laser guns and if we all had flying cars, we'd just be crashing into each other and we'd kill each other off. I think that there does need to be a, a regulation of that. However, I think that if the government is super advanced. If the government has knowledge that would change humanity, if the government would have knowledge that would 
elevate us to a next level of evolution and get us past bullshit oh, like like the, the archaic ba- bounds uh, that we are you know to religion that we have or uh, the stupid ways that we have to st- kill, still kill each other if they had energy solutions that that were that we didn't need to fight over oil and they had alien technology that we could say look okay this is what it is that, that we need to rethink the way we live and and we're able to help humanity that would be great but i think that they they're still a, uh, too concerned with money and i think that's one of the biggest things is that until they until anybody realizes that those technologies those secrets shouldn't belong to anyone that they're humanity's secrets they're humanity's growth and it's not some government agency that gets to hide behind military secrecy then i don't think we're ever going to get anywhere a great example is the internet it's supposed to be open sourced around for everybody and there's such a generational digital divide going on i don't know yeah it's what I don't... do you mean by that sasha so if you're very poor if you're homeless you don't have access oh, to the internet okay that's yeah. okay i see what you're saying yes that's if a good point you're uneducated yeah. you're not going to know how to log into windows or yeah and even if you are educated and you don't know how to work dos you're not gonna be able to fix your own computer and you're yeah. not going to be able to get into archives of the so-called dark internet and yeah where there is a lot of information that will help any human develop and get smarter and educate themselves and take control but, of their But education. at the same time, I think there's also – that's also plays into what humanity is. I think that there's a, a level of, of – you know – put it this way i see people on the news i see people and they're you know they're spouting their beliefs or they're this and you just go how am i the same species as you yeah how do we have the same advancements how do we have the same things available to us the same amount of knowledge the same but you use it to spout hatred and to reinform your beliefs and and subscribe to uh you know uh lies and 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 all of the the bullshit on social media and I, you know, and other people can see past that. Other people can look for it and use it for information. I, I mean, I think unfortunately, technology cannot um, cure upbringing. It can't. Oh, you know what I mean? Genius. It it can't change what nice. what how a, a person is shaped by another person or um, yeah. their learning experience. And that's why education is so important. Then that's why you know it takes great teachers and people yeah. to come back. And again, that plays into what we were just saying. If we were funding the right things, if we were putting money into the right things, and saying, "Look, education, not you know telling people and you know sex education." If we taught kids rather than sitting there and going, "Well, Jesus said, look, that's not what we're doing here. We need to." tell because your kids are going to have sex and that's why there's a problem that's why there's 13 year old parents and that's why these parents aren't raising their kids and that's why these kids aren't getting educations and that's blah 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 and we're stupid and we're stupid and we're stupid it's idiocracy stupid people are making stupid people because smart people are waiting mm-hmm. smart people are smart and they're going to wait and they're going to have the one child when they're 35 and that's how it's going to be because they're going to have enough money and they're going and that one kid's going to go to harvard and meanwhile and this is literally in idiocracy Stupid McStupid has made 25 fucking kids and none of them are going to go to school. And and it's not the kids fault. It's not the people's fault. It's literally the way that our government, the way that our, our society is focused on is separating people through money, through education, through this, through uh, privilege. And and it's and it's ridiculous. And, and all of this, it's interesting. All of this really plays into what we wanted to talk about today. And that is that. We're surrounded by a reality that we constantly are questioning. And some people um, actually question whether our reality is a reality. Um, and today we wanted to talk about the ideas that exist uh, out there 
that maybe, perhaps, we're living inside a simulation, much like the Matrix. Um, now, to kind of give you, <coughs> excuse me, to kind of give you an, an, uh, an idea of why we wanted to do this, last uh, Friday, after my show, um, we were invited by some friends to go over to uh, a house. This guy, uh, Anthony, Anthony had mm-hmm. um, this incredible virtual reality setup in his basement, where he has the the thing, the t- you know, the there's like a umbilical. toggle on the seal, an umbilical thing, and you put it on your face, and and you're in a world, and he had all these different experiences you could go through, and. Uh, and to be honest, I've seen all the videos. I've seen the video of the mom freaking out on the roller coaster. Whoa! And you go, come on. Mm. Come on. And it it changed my mind. It blew my mind, to be honest. I got there, and you were trying the first simulation. The plank? Yeah. yeah. You, do you want to tell people what that was? Oh, it was just like you put the goggles on, and then you go up... Um, you're immediately, like, submerged into the... Wait, is that the right? Submerged. Yeah. Submerged. Sub- submerged. That word. <laughs> Into this world. And it's like everywhere you look is like you're you're in it. And then like you're you go in this elevator and you go all the way to the top and then it opens and there's just like this wooden plank and you're just supposed to walk the plank. And um Anthony had like a big long um four by two or um uh, whatever they are, big the old six thick, by yeah, yeah, like like a plank so of wood on the ground. So that you could actually put your feet on it. Like a fan. <laughs> so that the so wind would like, blow. Yeah. And and here's the thing. You're you're not looking at something that's photorealistic. You're not in a world where you're like It does look like a video game. It does. It looks cartoony, but your brain, there is no difference in your brain between that world and the world. You really believe that it tricks your is brain. Is it like being on shrooms? I don't know. I've never I'm, tried shrooms, but it's so. Here's the thing. Do you thing. go up in elevators and walk wooden planks? There's <laughs> no, but the whole world changes. Like it becomes cartoony, really? and the colors of clouds and the uh, land changes. It's and, like really? living in The Sims. Yeah, it was yeah, like yeah. living in it The Sims. It might be Sasha. It might be like mushrooms. And yeah. and you know what? I I know. And and we both. Did, I'm watching her do it. So I get there, and you're you're out there, and she's what you what she's doing. Um, what she's seeing is on a screen on the wall. He has a big it's projection projecting. screen. So, and then she's, but she's seeing the 3D world of it. And so I can see that she's in an elevator and she's looking out and there's a piece of wood and then there's the ground and there's buildings all around her. And I can see what she's seeing and I'm going, Come on, just walk, just walk out. And she's trying to hold the doors of yeah, the elevator. Yeah, I to touch the elevator like, and it wasn't you, there. Like, and, you know, to kind of, and I'm like, just walk. She's like, I'm like, she's like, what if I fall? I'm like, it's the carpet. Nothing's gonna happen yeah, to you. It was, and like, I'm sitting on the couch watching other people do it, and I'm like, you know what? This is silly. It's not real. Like, I'm gonna run down that plank, and like, right. it's gonna be so cool. But like, then you do it, and your mind is like, it's telling you that it's real and that it's dangerous. You know, like mm-hmm. it's, and then you like get that adrenaline that you would feel if you were up that high. And like I said, the fans going, and it was. And you can, and, and you got out onto the plank, and they yeah. said, "Reach down and touch the carpet." And she reached down, and you put your hands on the carpet, and your brain like tells you it's not there. Like it, it's it, it, weird. You're, you're you're feeling it, and you know that you can hear them talking to you. They're right there, and you know there's a couch right there, but your brain doesn't know that. There's no separation. It's crazy. So she gets out, does the plank, gets all the way to the end, does great. 
And you have to just jump. Like there's you just at jump the end, off. like you just have to jump off and, and like, then you you fall. Like and so like I just jumped off and like looked down. I was like, Well, now I know what it looks like you know when you fall into your death. So And did you get that whole feeling like when your body drops like from a diving board and all that? Yeah, like you feel like your like your stomach has that sinking yeah. feeling of like going down. Yeah. You felt it when I uh, so she goes and I'm like, Okay, I gotta try this. So I do the same thing and uh, I'm immediately like I was like, okay, it can't be that. I, I, I was wrong immediately. I, I got in it and I was like, holy shit, this is insane. And I got in the elevator and I, even though I watched her do it, all the same things. I was like, okay, yeah, there's nothing there. Why you grab? I got in there and I was trying to touch the door. I didn't want to step out. I, your brain tells you that's, that's a drop. And so I got out there and I, I mean, I literally was like terrified. The real fear that I was up that high and I got to the end and like when you get to the kind of the end of the where the simulation is every once in a while you'll see like what almost looks like grid the grid yeah so like, like Tron grid. like you you realize you're in a box and so I got to the end and I saw the grid and I kind of stepped back from it and I started falling because I fell off the plank and my body just went down I just straight fell to the floor. I, I I couldn't make my body stand up. My body saw that I was falling and I fell into my friend. And I just went, holy shit, I just fell for real. And I fell into her and she spilled. I got beer all over me, but I literally, I just fell. I couldn't, my body literally just fell over. And it felt like you were falling, falling and I watched, on your sidewalk. It was the craziest thing ever. I, I, I felt fall, like I was falling from a great distance. Even though I was on the ground, I couldn't figure out what was going on because I was still falling. And so after that, he, he, he puts all these different simulations on. We did a shooting game, which was the shit. Um, You're like fighting aliens. And like you get like this shield. And like you have to block like the shots and like shoot them like this. Like it's so cool, Sasha. Like So you have these controllers in your hands that you can use for different things. In that game, they're guns or like you said, a shield. And so you press buttons and you can change guns. And you can, if you reach back over your head and press the button, you bring out a different gun. So you can, you know, and you, it's weird because... You put that on and you're automatically like in this world and you're looking up and there's things above you and things around you. And it's it's completely 3D. I mean, there's no separation between this world. Again, it's cartoony, but you're seeing it as you are this world and you feel like a badass. You kind of stand and Danny's like. She's dropping down and she's like shooting. I mean, it was it was like watching superheroes. It's the craziest thing. We they, gotta get they had another one. It. Yeah, you got to try this. They had another one that was a skiing simulation. So you grab the two handles and you stand there and you go like this and you start moving and you're jumping over stuff and going off and your body starts doing the Olympic jump with it. I mean, you're you're doing everything. And when you come down, you're feeling the momentum of your body falling. And we got to a point um, where I, I had to I had to do the same thing as you, like get down on my knees because it was, I was getting motion sick. The sight sickness is what they call it. Yeah. yeah. He talked about that. You can't do it too much. Yeah. Um, like the back of my head started hurting like right back here. Cause I guess that's where your ocular muscles are. I don't even think that's what they're called, but where your eyeball muscles connect to, is like the back there. And my eyes were like so strained. Cause I feel like they're just like wide open when you're in there. Cause yeah. you're like looking at the world and it just feels in. like your head. Like how long until you went to bed after doing virtual reality? A few hours, five, four or five hours. 
That might that might be too long because I know sometimes when you play video games for like eight ten hour sessions and you go to bed and you close your eyes, you can still see the video game images <gasps> in your head. Yeah, it's really creepy, Whoa. and you can't go to bed. Like you got to <gasps> keep your eyes open because it's kind of scary. Oh, weird. Whoa. Yeah. Well, well, and see, and that all that all kind of Whoa. because of how submersive um, this this experience was. I mean, honest to God, we were. We were both kind of blown away. I can, I can speak, I think, for, I, both of us were kind of, in, like, instantly. Like, I want that. Like, yeah. I want it now. It's um, so cool. And there's a million experiences, you know? And, I, and I've seen those videos. Everybody's probably seen the videos on Facebook of people freaking out because they're playing a zombie game or they're on a roller coaster. But the, the fact is, is that it's real. Like, it's, it's real to your mind, um, your brain doesn't separate the movement, the momentum, any of that. If I, if I had been in a scary world and a zombie had jumped at me, I would have done the same thing. I would have, holy shit, because it's you literally. There's there's no separation. There's it, it's completely. I, I don't even know how to explain it. You're, it it's like this world to so your brain. When the Utah Jazz played Cleveland earlier this month, I think it was on the tenth. ESPN came in and did a virtual reality television show on it. And so they set up virtual reality. I wasn't on that show, um, but I heard from people and it's, and I did a, when UFC was in Salt Lake this summer, they had virtual reality cameras on the octagon. So where the octagon is, everyone knows kind of what UFC is. There was this big ball on one of the sides. And if you go and watch any UFC, you'll see them there. And inside that ball is 360 degrees of cameras. And then you go in the back by the TV truck and you put on goggles and you're watching these guys <gasps> box each other and it's the scariest thing i've ever seen what and in utah there's this tv guy who just signed a national contract with the nba nascar uh the nfl and he's bought six tv trucks just for virtual reality so <gasps> he'll go to a baseball game he's going to the super bowl and they set up just a virtual reality feed for all these people at their home who can plug in and get that full no. experience yeah and it's and it's being bought and it's sold and it's coming to sport production. Wow. Um, yeah. you, cause you got to work that UFC show, huh? Yeah. That was so cool. There was actually like this joke on Portlandia, um, that, that television show. And, um, they have like these big, like astronaut looking like, um, old, old Marine. What is that when you're like, a, like a, the, the old, uh, uh divers. Yeah. Like yeah. Diver yeah. Helmet. Helmet. Yeah. yeah. And like they put it on and they say they're going to go to this concert and they, come over and put these big funny things on and they're like watching the concert um, and and the drones go to the concert. So they're watching like what their drones see. And um, it's like they're making a joke about this this big, huge thing that you put on your head to go see a concert, um, not in person. But like what you're saying is that's probably the future, huh? I think it's really dangerous, actually. Well, and that's the idea that... Tell that me why kind you of... think that. Well, if you're socially awkward and you don't like being around human beings, you're going to go into this world and i'm sure at some point you're going to be able to have sex with virtual women and men and i think it could totally skew the human body and And the reality these people who play you know world of warcraft till they die these gamers that go in these worlds and create i'm a big muscly soldier i mean some of these people to them that's real and while they're not necessarily experiencing it visually the brain still doesn't separate. Like I have an asshole cousin who makes his living off of World of Warcraft. What? No How? Shit. And he's on that thing, like, because you can make stuff and buy stuff and you sell it through Bitcoin and all this other kind of stuff to other he nerds. He makes his living? Yeah. And the guy, 
was like one step away from having a PhD and becoming a psychologist. And now he spends 18 hours a day playing this video game uh, and his kids play the video game and don't go to school. And oh no. it's just, and he, the guy went from a cool guy, someone I admired to, to just a scum on the earth. Hmm. Yeah. He hasn't had a girlfriend in 15 years. He doesn't have friends. He doesn't, can't hold a job down. Hmm. Like it's, so I could only see this virtual reality thing putting its web on humanity. I, mean, even I agree more with than... you, Sasha. Like there's, it, there's really not anything that replaces just being there, yeah. just being where you are living in the moment and not having to have things vicariously live for you, you know, via technology. But, but what if us being in the moment, what if us being here being present right now, what if all of this was a simulation? We would never know. And that's um, basically the the theory that we wanted to talk about. Um, this the simulation hypothesis was actually proposed in 2003 in a paper uh, from a, a philosopher and theoretical physicist from Oxford. So pretty smart guy, right? Uh, named Nick Bostrom. Nick Bostrom published a paper, and inside the paper, he surmised that one of the three following things had to be true. Okay. One, that the human species, the human species, the human species is very unlike, is very likely to go extinct before reaching a post human stage, meaning that most likely this version of us will die off before it evolves into something that would be the next level of of our evolution. Two, Any post-human civilization, meaning if we were to make it to post-human civilization, is extremely unlikely to run a significant number of simulations of their evolutionary history because chances are they just wouldn't care. They would be on to the next thing. They would be next-level beings. How Or three, that we are almost certainly living inside a computer simulation already. Um, The basic idea, if you look at it, if you break it down, is that us as humans, uh, if you look at us and our development, then you'd have to surmise that as we grow exponentially at some point, we because if, if we have this now, if we can experience this now, if we go 100 years into the future, 1,000 years, 10,000 years into the future, at some point, we would be able to run virtual reality simulations of our ancestors' past. We would be able to say, how did we get here? What can we do? What if we reach a, po- a problem in our future and we have to run a simulation saying, okay, well, Okay, well, what if we do this? What if we run a simulation where there is no religion? And let's see how quickly they, they get along. What if we run a simulation where nobody's a different color? And we see how quickly they get along. What if we run a sim And, you know, okay, let's try this. What if this thing? What if this scenario? You know, that kind of a thing that they would maybe there could be up to millions of scenarios, uh, which either plays into this theory or plays into the multi-universe. We all exist in another universe, quantum dimensional beings that we are there's a thousand of us and we're all living different timelines blah 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 but that's that's essentially it that we could run these these simulations and find out um you know how we got to where we got to or what if they just wanted to run simulations just to see how we lived how to see what life may have been like back then um you know those are the kind of uh theories that are that exist around this um that perhaps our ancestors, our great, 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 great grandchildren are actually running a simulation of us and we are conscious beings living within a simulation 
that have no idea they're inside a simulation. The Greeks were very aware of this idea. If you go back and read Plato's um, Allegory of the Cave um, in the Republic, I think it is, where Socrates talks about you know, this idea of prisoners being inside of a cave and their masters with there's a fire in front of the mast in front of the prisoners. And then they use shapes and shadows to depict this person's world and that they can change the colors. Because when we think of the word red or the word orange, right, it's not necessarily something that we've created. It is something that we've created as a community to identify the color red or to identify what is a T-shirt. And so these are all learned behaviors. And, you know, according to Socrates, well, these things that we understand are designed by our masters and our creators. And so in that sense, everything's, you know, we are living in a, in a simulated world because we don't have any of our own thoughts, everything that we've learned, you know, we're learned animals. And that's a great book. The You don't even have to read the whole book. Just Type in Allegory of the Cave. It's probably 15, 20 pages, mm-hmm. and it's one of the most amazing things. It'll blow your mind back. I'd never heard of that. I'd, I'd love to yeah. look at that. That sounds so cool. You know, and, and the, it is fascinating because it's like, um, you know, there's so many uh, theories uh, that play along into this. Like, uh, was it Schrodinger's cat? That the cat is in the box, but the cat exists and doesn't exist at the same time because right. we don't see it. It also plays into, like, it, the, the Fermi paradox. Um, what were you going to say? No, that's fine. Well, the Fermi paradox and, and see, because there's a lot of things that kind of play into the backing up of the idea that we live in a simulation. The Fermi paradox kind of states, it says, well, why are we alone in the universe? You know, it presents the idea of, look, if we, if, if there's so much space and there's so much stuff, why are we alone? Why haven't we found other life? You know, and a lot of people would, who believe in the simulation hypothesis would say that it's because there is no other life and this is a simulation. You know, and there's like, for instance, the, the, this video that I watched talked about um, the that picture that the Hubble took of that small slit of of just the sky where we thought it was just a big, empty slit of sky. But because he, they take this little picture, they show that there's hundreds of galaxies within this thing. So for all intents and purposes, these galaxies didn't exist until we witnessed them. They didn't they weren't real until we knew they were real. And even then we're still hypothesizing about the reality of whether or not they're actually real because they're interpretations of distance and light and information and mathematics. So to be fair, we're still kind of creating it. So people would say, well, what if what if that was the idea that the simulation as we within the simulation grow and our technology, our understanding of the universe grows, then maybe it goes, well, I'm going to fill this in. I'll fill this part in with galaxies and things and, and, but you'll never reach them. You can't get too close to them. You can't go touch the sun. You can't even get to Mars. You can't even get out of your own solar system. So I'll just put stuff so that you know there's stuff, but not necessarily stuff that you'll ever reach or quantify as real. Um, I think about this all the time, but I think, like, think how weird this is. Each each one of us, right? Technically, the world, how I see it, might be entirely different than how, like, Sasha might see it or how you might see it. Like, you might not even see that yellow sign as the same color of yellow that I see it because right. our eyes might read it different or Sasha's eyes might see it as a different shade of yellow. Um, but generally speaking... The world would only be real 
to me through my eyes how I see it because right. I'm my own conscience and I'm not like Sasha's or yours. So I mean, technically, like maybe you're not real. Maybe you're both simulations in my mind, or maybe like Sasha is the one who's actually generating this simulation, and we're not real, but we're within Sasha's conscience. Like, well, and and there's does there's, that make sense? There's I'm a not... million ideas like that. You know, the idea that like. And see that what they argue is that if we were all conscious beings living within a simulation, then we were all individual programs running off this same grid. Right. So I can still have a conscience. You can still have a conscience. We can still feel things. And that's one of the things that like kind of some people argue may go against this idea is that perhaps if creators are running simulations, because then why, why all the war, why all the death, why all the suffering? Cause to us, even though we're simulated artificial beings inside this theory, then we're still feeling this pain. We're still experiencing these things. Um, is it, you know, then that kind of plays into a, a religious theme. Does that then mean that the gods or God or whoever watches us suffer without helping to gain a better understanding of why we do what we do, whether that be our, our future people that we've created that are, that have evolved from us or whether that be a God who created the universe. But you know, there's, know, there's like, so many arguments for this. While like the, uh, wildlife and stuff like that we observe them doing things all the time just to study them and we don't often intervene with even some of the horrible things that they do to each other and we're just doing it in the name of science just for observing you know observation we'll watch the baby turtles try to get into the ocean i I mean we could go help them we could literally pick them up and put them in the water and they wouldn't die but then we're then we're changing right right. that's an interesting thing i don't know and see and there's like there's all sorts of like different uh experiments and different things and, and, and that have happened that kind of back these, these ideas up this idea that, that, cause I think about this, you know, you go, okay, well, I know in my mind that just because I don't see them, all the other people doesn't mean they're not there. Like I, I don't see England right now, but I'm assuming all the people in England are there. I'm assuming England's there. I'm assuming everything exists when I don't see it, but to be fair, I, I don't see it. You know what I mean? Like I've you you kind of make things real when your body takes them in. You know, you have I've never seen the Eiffel Tower. I know it's real, but I've never seen it. I just take people's word for it, and then I'm I could go see it. And I'm sure it's real, but that's the thing is that like there was this this experiment called the double slit experiment um, that it showed physicists that light actually behaves differently when it's being viewed. So. If whether whether you were looking at it or or whether it was not being viewed would actually change the way it moved. Like actually, a human eye, or does it does the camera qualify? Because how can they watch it when they're it's not being viewed? How is it being viewed when it's not being viewed? Yeah, you know what? That's a good question. I don't know how because I don't know if you could actually if they you know maybe it was actually with the eyes because it's a it's light it's an experiment. I don't know if a, that's what I'm saying. Like is one is the not viewing a camera watching it and then one an actual human watching you know what? the that's light. That's a good question. I don't know that I I got the basics from. There's so many. This is look. This is a very complicated topic, and I got the I know it's fucking very... basics of this because this is a lot of physics and a lot of a lot of God things complexes. that I'm I kind of have a. A base understanding of, <laughs> yeah. but but that's the thing is that Apple it's fall like to ground from tree. <laughs> it's like saying like you know we would only exist when being viewed, and this would kind kind of tie into the existential argument saying that God is dead because God wouldn't actually be a thing; it would be a program. So that's why we all said, "Why is God abandoning us?" It's not because God is abandoning us; it's because it's just a a program that doesn't care; it just is. Um, and that kind of ties into these other principles in physics, uh, the anthropic principles. Um, 
The anthropic principle basically states that the universe must be compatible with the conscious life that observes it. Okay? So, meaning that the universe has to be a hospitable place for us to be able to witness it. So it can't create, it can't exist to not be seen. Do you know what I, does that make sense? Yes. Okay, so there's two versions of this. There's the strong anthropic principle and the weak anthropic principle. The strong anthropic principle states that the universe is compelled to form conscious life, meaning that the universe was created to create the life it sustains and it was made to be lived in by the life it creates. It's a big circle. But, the, but it makes That's, sense, yeah. right? Yeah. It exists to create and it, it creates so that it can exist. Mm-hmm. Right. The circle of life. The weak anthropic principle says, or the universe must be fine-tuned in order to form conscious life. Meaning that, you know, the, the fact that uh, the world is tuned to a certain vibration, the fact that certain things have to be manipulated, certain aspects. You know, they argue that perhaps the Big Bang, um, and, and this plays into whether you believe in God, whether you believe in a computer program, whatever you believe in, right? So religious people would say that of course the big bang couldn't have created everything. God must have done it because it had to have been fine tuned because in this instant, uh, not only was everything created, but all of the principles for everything, gravity, the speed of light, all of these constants were instantly into existence. All of these finely tuned mathematical equations that needed to exist for things to happen instantly, instantly existed. So now, the religious argument that, that could be made there was that God is doing all this. However, and I, I kind of wrote this out when I was doing this, within the logic of that principle, it wouldn't make sense for God to create a, a universe that couldn't sustain life. But if he made one that could create life, as in the first principle, then he would make himself obsolete. So logically, there's no room for religion inside the argument, since you can qualify and measure the exponential technology growth of humans. Then I will say, based on logic, a simulation being tweaked by a super advanced great great grandkids actually makes more sense than a god creating a universe that would make himself instantly obsolete. Do you know what that? Well, what's that? What's that other theory or idea where it's like, if God existed, he would have to be powerful enough to destroy himself but god would never actually be able to destroy him right what is that the idea like god, the, the creator I, I don't know the name of it but it kind of ties into well if if god was god he could create something so heavy that god couldn't lift it but then he wouldn't be god right right that, yes that, and, and okay. that that really is it if so if you're looking at these two things and you're saying that one means it the universe was created to sustain life or two it needs to be fine-tuned by a creator and then you look at it from a religious aspect you're saying that then god either created a universe that doesn't need him or created a universe that didn't work and constantly needed him and neither one of those things makes sense as a creator when you really take the logical sense of it that i mean that's like saying god's going look i'm gonna build an apartment building but i'm constantly gonna be needing to fuck with the plumbing you know I think if the that sounds like every apartment building. Better analogy might be being a parent and you create this kid and you're constantly have to interact with this kid and guide him and shape that child so that it lives and is able to carry on your gene. But at the same That's time true. you also wouldn't create a child hopefully that instantly couldn't couldn't be sustained within the world that it was being birthed into. Well, unless they had some serious disease. Right. Right. That's right. True. And then that's, that's an true. anomaly. So you're saying, so that plays more into the anomalous it factors. It would have died by itself had that parent. And See, that's weird. Cause like we are a little universe and yeah. like you're saying, right. like maybe we were a God that created essentially through a child 
and it didn't work. It, you know, malfunctioned. So then you play into the idea that humans uh, exist um, despite the fact that the universe is constantly trying to kill us. I made a real conscious decision in my early 20s to get rid of all my thinking about God and the bigger picture so that I could just focus on myself and be my own little universe and protect my life and my kid and shape my life to be the best it can. Because for me, when I was looking at this big picture of what is life and what is war and what is generational poverty and disease, it was destroying my life because I was spending all my time thinking about these thoughts that in my life have no consequence to my living you know right Right. and i think that that you made a fantastic point is that the existential crisis of man the what does it all mean the what's my purpose in the vast everything of everything is is a is a a real overwhelming and impossible way to think you know we we've talked about this before we can't help every single person that's hungry in the world but we can help that one guy we can help that one person we can affect the universe around us we've even talked about this in the idea with ghosts that that you know you affect the universe you're essentially the center of your own universe and if i were to die just like if our sun were to explode it would explode and kill everything around it my death would affect the people around me but yet just like our universe would go on existing if we all died uh you know this world would go on existing i assume if i'm not here and everybody would still keep going just like the world has and so you're right we are our own little universe we are our own little center our own little sun we give off warmth we can create light sustain we can take it if we have you know it's we're we're capable of that so you know yeah maybe that's what it is that it's not where it's our place within the greater universe it's what's the purpose of our personal universe and main, maintaining that and then you can change your matrix anytime you want. Right. So yeah. then you're affecting your own reality. Yeah. You're going back to the idea that we're only making things real when we view them or we're only creating or affecting life when we're physically engaged with it. Because yeah. um, how do things like, uh, you know, so perfectly like when like I have the idea or the thought that goes to my head, like, wow, that just worked out so perfectly for me. I, I can't believe it. But like. Like, you know, when people say the stars aligned for me or like, how come it can, you know, do something in favor it of me? It almost seems like a predetermined also, program But also while maybe doing something in favor for Sasha and knowing and right. knowing his needs or yours. And like, you know, that individuality that all of us seem to gather from it where it seems like the stars align for us. Right. You know, and I do think that we can kind of, I, I, I strongly believe that we shape a lot of our... Um, world as we view it through our thinking and through our either positivity or negativity and i'm like well how do we explain that you know how do we almost see reality changing based on what we're putting out you know what we're putting into it like like we are our creator of our own universe and then that's karma that's the secret that's all of those things you what goes around comes around if i'm a positive you know, and, and, and any one of those theories it can play to, whether you're listening right now as somebody who's religious, whether you're listening to some right, right now as somebody who's spiritual, whether you're an atheist, whether you – any of the things, whether you believe in what we're talking about, whether you think we're living in a simulation, it all plays into that because we're all saying that if I'm – if I do good, then the Lord will see my good. Or if I put out good energy, the universe will return good energy. 
or negative, apply that too. Or if I'm a good program and I stay on the path of my programming, then I will find other good, I will be attracted to like programs. Or I, you know, so whatever it is. If you the, liked this. Then you'll enjoy this. Yeah, hey. click here. Yeah. And, and then all of you are my playlist. All of you are these things that I've subscribed to. I mean, we can view it in any way you want to. Um, the logic of it all is is something we can all argue. Physics is, you know, especially theoretical physics um, is is a is a, a field full of arguments. However, there's some interesting arguments out there that kind of play into this. One of the main things that people play into and they bring up when they talk about simulations is deja vu. Um, meaning, you know, if literally glitches in the matrix, if you go back to, to 1999, that we're seeing or or hearing things that are program defects now if you look at what we've talked about on this podcast you could also apply that to a lot of things and and if we were living in a simulation then there's an easy answer right across the board teleportation time lapse um you know the the one you were talking about last night the case that we were talking about with um the kid uh, who was lost? Mm-hmm. And he was just—I uh, I don't remember if he had car trouble or something. But he called his parents and said, "I'm literally ten minutes from the house. Um, I'm off the side of the road. I can see the and lights." I, and then you know, when he was on the phone with his parents, and they said, "Okay, we're we're about where you are." And he's like, "Great, I'm flashing my lights. I see your headlights coming." And um, he was not where he said he was, and they found his car, and it was like twenty miles down the road, like away from where he was even supposed to have been and he he's gone this kid is gone he just disappeared they don't know where his body is or where he was but um those kinds of things where you can't account for thinking that you're somewhere or a time lapse or maybe these people there's the story of those people that were walking through the woods one day and they came across a house and there was like people at a party in Victorian dress like they had stumbled upon this old town that was having a party and people go, well, maybe that was time lapse. Maybe it was teleportation. Maybe it was a glitch in the programming. You know, maybe that's what this is. Maybe these, whoa, whoa, I've done this before. Maybe that's instead of it's being some sort of weird brain function or or a, a product of something paranormal, maybe it's just literally a, a glitch in the program. And that's what we're seeing. And that's what, you know... Moon lines, that line that went across the moon. Maybe the moon's not a hologram. Maybe it's all a hologram. Maybe that's why, you know, maybe maybe we never went to the moon because somebody or maybe we did. Maybe they made that real. You know what I'm saying is like you can't we don't know because we're only given the the. uh, The after details where somebody's telling us this is real, Somebody's saying this is footage from the moon. This is footage of a Bigfoot. This is footage of this. This is what we have. And that's why we're so quick to say you're full of shit. That's right. not true. Yeah, and we're a very questioning species. Mm-hmm. We've constantly questioned our reality. Why are we here? What are the what is the purpose for this? Why why are we instantly so questioning of everything around us? Why are we constantly questioning why it is we live, why it is we exist? Why don't we just accept it? Why are we it? even giving the ability to question it? The right. conscious, I mean, animals don't understand that they're going to die. Like, they don't even have an understanding. I mean, <clears throat> there's a fear of maybe impending um, danger, like an instinct if something is going to happen to them. But I mean, um, like, they don't have that conscious thought of like, oh, I better live it up for these last seven years because I, I'm going to die. Like, they don't think about that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. And that's kind of ignorance is bliss on that one. Right. Maybe. So, and, and maybe that, look, if you're going to study a species... Giving the species a sense of mortality um, 
makes the experiment, I think, um, more powerful because you're giving them a, um, a, a gift. You're giving them something. And again, this plays into a religious argument. Again, if you apply God to this, that he's giving us something that we have to make the most of because we don't know how long it's going to last. But also, what's the point of that? Like, right. why, why is there like such a, I know this sounds weird, but like a value on the human experience or human life? Like, why? Like, why? And, and why is it like you're lucky and see, you got to have a body? Like, what? Why? But like, exactly. What is it? And if you, pl- and if you look at it from a God standpoint, then that's exactly what it is. You go, why would, why would, why, it does seem egotistical to go, look, you get this much and you just get this much and I'm going to see what you do. It does seem egotistical unless you're looking at it from the fact of, well, if it's just life and that's how it is, then then humans apply the ego. But if it's a program, then it makes sense because programs don't care. Here you go. You're aware of your consciousness and go. I'm I'm literally here to observe. One zero zero zero. I'm sorry, Dave. I can't help you, Dave. That's you know that's all it is. That was one of the big struggles when I had a kid. I had a kid at like 21, super young, like totally immature. Shouldn't have had it. And one of my biggest problems that it took me years to finally understand and be okay with was that in the mammalian world my only duty is to procreate and have an offspring so that my genes can carry forward and the day my child was born i was like i have done my duty there's nothing left for me to do on this world because i've fulfilled my contract with my caricature which is my son and so then it's looking at my life it's like well where do i go now how do i do i have more kids do i not have any more kids you're the creator where do i find meaning because there's nothing more meaningful in my world than watching my kid being born you know know? that's interesting then that's a really good because uh insight sasha it makes you both parts of the uh of the principle at the first part of your life you're in an inhospitable environment to have raised a child any earlier in your life you probably would have screwed it all up yeah but once you I do it screw it up though so then you're the creator that's <laughs> fine-tuning so. yeah so it's interesting you become as a human both sides of that theoretical but also principle kind of the experiment like you're still like, and the you're the creator but like you're also still part of the the thing wow. that's like trying to gain an experience in this world but like you're still the creator like i'm it's wow, like if god I'm lived in his own out. world right so essentially and I mean, but was trying to teach himself a lesson uh, teach himself and that's essentially what but it like is create the lessons for himself to learn See, it's and maybe that's weird. maybe that's what immortality is if you really think about the idea of immortality you create a child that child becomes part of you and part of the other person and that you then pass on what you believe is important to this thing so that it may grow and carry on what you believed to the next generation of its offspring. And so that your idea, not you personally, your idea, maybe the DNA within you, but the DNA within your ideas and your being and your identity is what carries on. Uh, not, ju- you know, that's that's a it's real like fascinating copying thing. a disc, like, yeah, copying a CD. You know, I mean, like, and to be fair, it's weird is that a I, new thing that you put into something to be ran as a right as a program and i'm i'm adopted and it's interesting because i'm carrying on a lot of the values that were taught to me by the people that raised me rather than passing on some sort of dna uh, which i mean pass on anyway but the fact is is that it's it is weird that the programming right Mm -hmm. that you get as a person as a child is who you become um and I think that's interesting because it's like what you were talking about with the string theory. It's like right, right in line with. Well, and that's that's yeah. In, in fact, 
see, here's the thing that people don't don't understand is that this is like I said, there's a lot of theories about this. There's a lot of hypotheticals, but there are also mathematical quantifiable things that tie into this. There are there are things that are part of who we are that make more sense within the world of a computer than make sense within a world of of humanity. Um, For instance, compromises in algorithms Um, like when your your brain is is a very uh, complex um, machine. Right. So and everything I'm looking at in the world is I'm constantly trying to take in a million things. So what your brain does is it has these um, kind of like recognition shortcuts. So when you're doing this, it fills in the blanks of like your spatial recognition. So it's kind of the, your brain's interpretation of the world. Like you said, maybe we all interpret it differently. So when you look at that, the, the, the algorithms that it uses, there are things like, for instance, optical illusions that can break these algorithms. Um, these algorithms, uh, optical illusions work because your brain can't um, take in all the information that it's seeing. It's seeing too many angles and too many things. So it creates this optical illusion and can't process and fill that in for you. Um, these, these things are referred to as incongruence. Um, things that are, are uh, mathematically uh, true, right, uh, um, uh, with the way that our world behaves. Um, sorry, there's a lot of, like, language here that it's, it's really it, – I'm trying my best to make this sound <laughs> approachable. <laughs> approachable. Um, there's also an incongruent between the physics of our universe, and there shouldn't be. Quantum mechanics, which is the physics of everything very small, the way atoms and particles react, um, and general relativity, which is the physical rules of stars and planets and giant things, are completely different. And some people say, well, why is it that the universe has two sets of realities? Why is it that on this reality, things behave by one set of laws, and on this reality, in a world where size and things are all relative, then why is it that the universe has two sets of rules? Why, why, why would it need that? And that led some people to believe that it's because the computer needs multiple lines of code to create all of the things within its construct. Hmm. And then if you bring fractals into it, it destroys everything because everything's in and of it is there's no one shape that's not different than the other thing. Right. And, and, and that, well, yeah. and there's a lot of things like, for instance, they say that there, there, if you're, if you're living in a world of God, right, there shouldn't be limitations, but there are, there's things like, uh, they talked about this thing called Planck length, which is the, the smallest space between something that can exist. And at that point, the Planck length means nothing. It's like scientists are like, there's nothing smaller than that. That is anything that's in that space is nothingness. Yeah. So, there's holes. I mean, there are holes in existence. Because weren't they saying something about the area of our universe was within a Planck space of space? Yeah. Like, Basically saying that we technically don't exist. We're like our own we, Planck space. We don't exist. Right. So, I mean, it's... Yeah. So, you're talking about the, the theory of relativity, but also the, the, the rules of physics. All coming into the idea that none of them, none of them work together. Because if relativity is real, then it shouldn't matter the size. So why are there two different laws? And I'm sure that a physicist would come and go, well, listen, idiot. But, th- but there are two different sets of laws. And so that's 
one of the reasons mm. why some people believe that. Also, um, now some people think like how would a giant supercomputer in the future run? But that plays into the theory of Dyson spheres, um, which uh, earlier this year, some people believe they actually discovered one. Um, there's a there's a star in a way far away. I want to say it's like in the Orion galaxy somewhere that scientists are noticing is dimming in a weird way. So it's 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 almost like they thought that maybe it was asteroids passing in front of the star, which would be blocking out the light. But they're noticing that it's dimming in a way that's almost not random. So the idea is that if aliens built something that needed to be powered on a level that would like this to create a worlds of simulations, they would need a planet to actually power it. So they would build this giant construct around a planet that would suck the energy out of a planet and basically turn an entire planet into a battery. And that would be called a Dyson sphere. Hmm. So we thought we've actually had found one in space. um, Although there's no real proof again, it's so far away. Uh, But that's kind of people would say, well, that would be the idea of what would, what would, power something like this hmm. and to be fair computer code has actually shown up in super string theory equations we were talking about that just a second ago with string theory uh professor james gates who is a super smart guy i mean this dude has he's a professor he served on obama's uh, council of uh you know i mean he's 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 super smart but he had this idea because in strength in physics string theory is a, a theoretical framework in which the point-like particles of particle physics are replaced by one-dimensional object called strings. And it basically describes how these strings propagate through space and interact with each other. So it's like space is a blanket. It's a physical, tangible thing, right? So apparently, when he's doing these string theory code, and he's gone in and he's done the mathematics, he's actually found computer code that seems to be embedded into the actual fabric of our universe, if his calculations are right and if string theorists are correct, then there's actual written code within the fabric of space. Um, and not just general code, not just like ones and zeros. It's something called block linear self-dual error correcting code, uh, which is something that search engines on our computers use to send and receive information and self-adjust to prevent errors. Hmm. That is really interesting. So, so space is Google. <laughs> <laughs> But but wouldn't it? Wouldn't right. I mean? Wouldn't it be? So I... If if you're trying to if think about that, what if the what if the speed of light, right the 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 distance that we as beings can't physically travel, what if that was internet speed, universal internet speed? What if like that was how messages and information was sent? Right. You know, and black holes were portals to other web pages. You know what I mean? Like if you if you apply the idea of a computer over over the the fabric of the universe. I mean, it it takes a lot of questions out and it makes sense of certain anomalies that can't be explained other than, oh, it's a computer glitch. It does make me start thinking about then what is death? Is it like. Then what is reincarnation? (laughs) Maybe reincarnation (laughs) is just the program being used somewhere else. You know, my code gets put into a different timeline, a different scenario. Right. What if this same person? What if that was the scenario? Let's see how this one person does in all these different things. And then maybe that explains psychics and people who can remember other things. That kid who said he was another woman, a a black woman from Chicago. Lines of code get crossed, right? 
in, within the construct of this computer, and they're like, oh, shit, the programming. And, and it takes the, the programmer seven years to delete the, delete the shit, or it works itself out, or the code dies off. Or, I mean, then, then you got to ask yourself, well, who created that computer program that well, is this? Like, and see, and that's, that's where this thing becomes exponentially crazy. The, the theory grows because you'd go, okay, well, if you're 10,000 years in the future, whatever it is, and you're at some point where simulations can be run, then why wouldn't it be? Because some people have, have think they have found simulations within simulations. Like for instance, you know, there's like this uh, computer program that like simulates the universe. And then people within that have found that the code could then create a simulation within that simulation and then a simulation within that simulation. So what if over time the simulation created a simulation of the simulation and then that was what world was? There wasn't existence. Consciousness was memory. Consciousness was AI living out uh, a constant uh, you know, changing storyline of what ifs. Every time you bring that up or this topic, I always think about Sims, the video or the, you know, the computer game. And I'm like, um, do they know that they're simulations? Like, do they know that they're a, a computer generated um, image or product? Are they living in their own little weird pixelated universe or? We don't know. Well, I think a lot of this comes from the Torah because or the Christian Testament, as you know, the Western world calls it, the whole idea of God, they say, is in so nothingness without end. Like that is what God is. He's nothing, and there's no end point. And it's our kind of goal to fill that empty void of so that he can, so that that Godhead can form a being. And so when Isaac Newton was forming calculus. The only reason he found calculus was because he was trying to find the name of God in the Torah. And, you know, because there's a term in Hebrew called gemetria, where Aleph, which is the first letter of the alphabet, A, it has a numerical factor of one. And Bet, which is B, has a numerical value of two. And it goes on and on. And so you can add Aleph and Bet, you know, and that becomes three. And the whole language is then based not only on a written language, but a mathematical principle. And so if you add father and mother, you get the word for child and it goes on and on and on and on. And that's how calculus was actually created was this Isaac Newton taking the Hebrew language and trying to find the true name of God, which is, They've been having arguments about what the real name is for thousands and thousands of years. But in its end point for human beings is to quantify that concept of nothingness without end. Where do we, where does life begin? Because there's no ending in a Jewish man's life, you know, so mm. it's, but it's something in Sof, they use it in Kabbalah a lot. Um, you know, you can find it. You know, just Google Insof, E-I-N-S-O-F, and it will take you down this long spiral. But basically, that's where that – I mean, if you look at um, all the people that have studied calculus and theoretical physicists, they're all Jews, and they're all Orthodox Jews, the Einsteins and all these types of people who grew up studying Torah and Mm. who not only are reading these words of God and their prayers and all this kind of stuff, but it's actually a mathematical code that they're reading and that – 
you know, the really smart ones can actually get into that math code. And they say that math is the only universal language that yes. if we ever met uh, an alien race, chances are we wouldn't communicate in any of the same ways other than math. Because it's one of the constants. That's what I was going to ask you. So technically, God's name or uh, would be a mathematical equation, right? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's wow. and, and it, to, to reinforce Marcus's point, if you went to China and you don't speak Cantonese or Mandarin, right. and you're at a house with a child, the only, one of the only things that you could ever have a common agreement with is an algebra book. Because mm-hmm. you can both read that codex. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. And it's it's really uh yeah the, when you look at the universe this plus this will always be that and that plus that well you know there are mathematical constants that exist and it's fascinating to think about because you know if we are living in a simulation then it basically means that we are the gods of our own like we're we're the gods to the people who created us and I don't think it means that your life is meaningless either. No. Because I think that's one of the things that, you know, I think in the movie The Matrix and these other types, the, the Terminator, that they all kind of be like, we're in a Matrix, so your life, you're a slave, and mm-hmm. your life has no value and no meaning because some god is controlling your life. I don't believe that. Mm-mm. I think yeah, that, I believe that as well. you know, even though we have policymakers and things in this world that are very destructive and not friendly. I still don't think that Donald Trump has any consequence over my life or your life and right. how that can affect the meat, the quality of your happiness or the quality of your miscontent and anger. Yeah. I think that's all controlled by you. And in the greater, in the greater of it. Sure. But you know, I mean, there are things that we can say, you know, if uh, somebody decides to go to war and drop bombs on my house, I don't have a, I don't have a say. I could fuck up my day. I mean, I can choose to be happy about it. Yeah. But, and I mean, that's again, that's but our. But you could avoid that see, situation and, too. But, but see, at the same. I can't. I can't avoid. Well, the, you could say the people in Syria could avoid getting bombs dropped on them. Because but, they would know that they were in a conflict with a country that was going to bomb them and that they could walk away from that area, you know? N- sure. The people in charge. Oh, but yeah, and maybe the people fleeing your house. I, I see. But that's the thing. I think that then goes down to the religious thing, right? Like we're saying like uh, Job or these people and throughout history who were given all of these trials and given all these tribulations. And that's why our job is to handle what the Lord gives us, right? Or handle what the universe gives us and to and to choose how to deal with those things. And, and shitty things happen to people all the time. And that's, that's something that, that we can't affect in this world. We can't help that if uh, something shitty is going to happen to somebody. But we can affect uh, if we have help. We can uh, choose to not turn a blind eye. We can choose to deal with things, uh, not just give up. So, I mean, you know, we still have free will, even even down to the uh, to the, the most minuscule detail. You know, you're you're about to be sh- killed. Hey, I'm going to do it with a smile on my face. Right. We always have free will. So it's it's fascinating to think that. But that's the thing, too, is that then we are the creators of our own creators. Yeah. Somebody we created something that will then down the line turn and create us. It's, it's, it's wild. It also answers the question of how the universe began. You know, we all go, well, it's either the Big Bang or it's God or this. It might have just been when the program got flipped on. I'm like, does it? I don't, well, but, I I mean, don't know it, that it answers if, anything if, if, if it literally just started, the, if the program went and start. But who pushed start and who made the computer? Right. That would, that's the question. Is, it, is if it's real, then it would be the people that we are going to become in 1,000 years, 10,000 yeah. years. Uh, the, the, the great, like we said, the great, 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 great grandchildren of, 
of who we are right now. Or it will be a subhuman species that wants to study us because we're this is like looking at a petri dish for them and then the whole universe is in a petri dish and then relativity and you know what are we we just a you know a nothing in the nothingness of nothing i asked that question um in church you know or i think just to someone i said you know well then if god created everything who created god it was like one of the first things i i wondered yeah and and it's not just um it's not just us either who believes this it's not just people like this there are there are other people who believe this. Uh, Elon Musk, very smart uh, entrepreneur, engineer. Um, he owns PayPal, owns Tesla, owns SpaceX. Um, his argument uh, backs up the idea of exponential technology growth, um, something he's on the front lines of. Uh, his thinking is that we will one day advance to a point where we don't need ourselves anymore and existence has reached its ceiling. And then at that point, why wouldn't uh, the hyperintelligence that we created uh, create universes of its own to understand us? Now that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. That one was like, okay. And then why would those simulations not create others and so on and so on until reality is just an endless number of possible outcomes and nothing is real? Hmm. So basically we grow to a point where our exponential technology growth makes us obsolete. So again, we create a universe that doesn't need us as gods where we make ourselves obsolete. It's back to the strong principle, right? And there we are. So, I mean, think about that and, 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 it hurts. Imagine being in a virtual, that virtual reality world that we were in. But imagine being in that world and not being able to take off the glasses and then add in some sensors that make you feel everything. So if you fall, it hurts. If you, if you experience something, it makes you feel emotionally. And then imagine being born into that and never knowing the difference ever. Uh, imagine that, I, you know, think about missing people right now. Maybe there's missing people at Area 51 right now that are in a virtual reality world and they've been there for five years and they're prisoners or, you know, you think about those things like if we talk about sinister government experience or experiments and then you go, okay, well, you know, it, it's fascinating to think about. Eric's a perfect example of that. <laughs> he might be, he might be plugged in right now, but that's the thing is that it could be that we are. And we would never know trapped within a reality. And that's the thing is that whether it's God, whether it's a computer, whether it's whatever it is, whether it's just the end of existence, we don't know till it's over. And that's why we can't ever quantify it. We can't ever make it real. Um, there's math, there's theories, there's arguments, but at the end of the day, it's all what you choose to believe. I think this is fascinating and I think it answers a lot of questions and makes uh, fills in a lot of holes in in other arguments. I mean, if this were the case, then I would be able to answer and solve a lot of the, the questions that we have and the, a lot of the topics we've talked about on this podcast. Nothingness without end. Right. Yeah. What do you think? You think we're real? I don't know. Like I said, it's, it's fascinating to me that I, as far as I'm concerned, the only thing that's real is what I see in my in my experience, like I can only see so the ma- world through my eyes. So, I mean, and that's what I'm saying. Like maybe I'm generating images that aren't real. Maybe I'm generating parts of the world that aren't real. Maybe I'm, you know what I mean? Like, so maybe I'm only real cause you can see me right, and you're and, only real cause I can see you. Right. And that's what I'm saying. And Sasha is, is to him, we're a we're, figment of his, um, create, projection yeah. and yeah. God, that's a shitty creation. <laughs> <laughs> Man, man. Create some sponsors. <laughs> uh, so there you have it, folks. I, I I don't know how much further down this rabbit hole we can go because there's, to be honest, it's it's all just speculation. I am spiraling. Right I now. assume that you're probably 
sitting there right now with a lot on your mind because this has been one of the deeper rabbit holes we've gone down, one of the more difficult and, and uh, theory, mathematical-filled episodes that we've done. But it's a fascinating topic nonetheless. And perhaps we're only real because you're listening to us right now. So on behalf of Danny, on behalf of our good friend, guest, and producer Sasha, and all of the people here at the Area 52 facility that exist only because you listen to us, thank you very much. And if we're real, then we'll see you next time. Previous Rebbe, the Yum Yum, said a very interesting word. Nid as the avoda is, as is Ozain Mitanemis, not that the avoda is, that today I'm going to do it with him, with truth. And I pray with truth, I'm going to learn truthfully the right way, I'm going to do acts of kindness. It's not Jay Z and Beyonce, it's not Nikki or Lil Wayne, it's not Oprah and Obama, the Pope and Rihanna Queen, Elizabeth or Kanye. It's not Steve Jobs over the gates. It's not the Google of the United States. Black Magic or Gaga, Gucci or Prada, riding on the golden...